Please be advised that this episode of Scream Queens deals with conversion therapy and conversion camps. So we'll be discussing some very real psychological, physical, and spiritual abuse. So if you're alone and you're scared and you need help, there's always someone ready to listen at thetrevorproject.org. So please reach out and contact them. I love you just the way you are. Let's do a show. This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified. Unique. Voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello. My name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! My beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens. It's the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 1401, season 14, episode one. Yep, I'm still here, and I'm even queerer. So tonight, we're taking a look at one of the most talked about queer horror films of 2022, they slash them, the gay conversion camp slasher film starring Kevin Bacon. And to do that, I'm going to be joined by the fabulous, Pastor Fabulous himself, Pastor Ben Fitzgerald Fye, and from Canada, Tara Gardner. But before we do any of that, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and ever since 2010, I've been your guide through the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But you're going to have to see them through my very, 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 well, I'll tell you, I did have a few ideas. Well, one of the things I realized is that a lot of the times uh, when I'm making horror get gay, I'm digging deep into horror's past. I'm going back to the 80s, 90s, 70s, earlier, trying to find some remnants of gay stuff to be like, look, look, see, it was gay even then. And I've been neglecting the present. Like when I first started the show, queer horror really wasn't a thing. In modern cinema, but now it is. And now I've discovered there's so much queer cinema that there's still stuff getting left behind that you're not seeing. So we're going to be journey, uh, uh, digging to find things like that, these little golden nuggets that are hiding out there that you haven't seen yet. I have most of the season planned out already, and fingers crossed, it's all going to be banging. One of the other things I've decided to do that since there's so much material now with modern queer horror is that I've decided to do this kind of a... Um, well, for want of a better word, compare and contrast, why don't I find something more exciting, like a movie coliseum where two movies go head-to-head in battle. But we're not going to battle. We're just going to take two similarly themed queer horror movies and discuss them and compare them and contrast them and just see what happens. I know the coliseum sounds much more exciting, but it's more literary. It's more, it's more, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Like, for instance, this episode, we're starting with They Slash Them, which was the gay conversion camp slasher. But that's only going to be the first part of a double header trip to the Coliseum. Because next episode, we're going to be talking about Children of Sin, which is available on Tubi, which is an independent movie, which is covering the same top. And it'll be interesting to see 
who handles the topic better? Like the big budget or the little budget or whatever. The big guy, the little guy, whatever. I just want to explore. I want to explore different avenues with you and just see how this goes. It's all an experiment, right? I mean, that says about right. You know, like in any relationship, you have to be like 14, 15 years. You start experimenting with some weird shit to keep things fresh. You know what I mean? Of course, you know what I mean. It's all an experiment. It's all going to be sexy and exciting. And you know what? I think it's going to start right now. So, you know the drill. We're talking about they slash them, and we cannot discuss a movie on the show without spoiling the shit out of it. So, I highly encourage you to watch the movie before proceeding. And it is currently available on Peacock, and you can rent it from all the usual services. And I highly recommend doing that. So, Because I know there's lots of controversy about this movie, and whether you like it or whether you hate it, it was an important film in queer cinema and of its time, and... It deserves to be talked about. We're going to do that right after this trailer for They Slash Them. It's a great day to be alive, isn't it? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm guessing that some of you, you're not happy. Maybe you don't fit in. People make fun of you. Well... I can't make you straight, but you give us this week and we might be able to help. Boys cabin over there, girls cabin over there. I use they them pronouns, as in they can't believe they're at this camp. I have zero interest in not being gay. There's no judgments in this room. Sometimes I wish I was invisible. understand it a lot more if there was Bible thumping and queer bashing. Do you even believe in any of this? Come in, please. Do you think your parents are disappointed in you? Sometimes. So what do you do? You try to make yourself special. You become they. Today, we're going to be exploring traditional gender roles. Look how long they've been doing this. It's time to play. This could get a lot worse. Where's my killer? We need to get out of here. Taste? Just enjoy the sunshine and work on your tan. They slash them. Streaming only on Peacock, August 5th. So to kick off season 14 of Scream Queens, I figured it would be a good thing to check in on one of the most talked about queer horror films of the year. And that would be They Slash Them, starring the infamous Kevin Bacon. And if you're not familiar with the movie, it deals with a slasher on the loose at a gay conversion camp. And this is a touchy subject. And I know some of you out there might have been through this or some form of this, even if it wasn't a camp, some of the things that they do with these camps, you might have been subject to that. I wanted to get the right guests. I wanted to get compassionate guests with a gentler touch and I've got them and we're going to tackle this beast today and I'm thrilled to have them both. One is the former goth kid turned pastor fabulous Ben Fitzgerald Fye and our resident moose trainer and goose enthusiast, murder goose enthusiast Tara Gardner. (laughs) 
Hello, Patrick. Hi. Hello. How are you both? Doing good. Doing good. It is well with my soul, Patrick. That's good. That's good. Because I don't need to get any complaint letters from your soul. I just don't want to hear about it. <laughs> well, I get enough. It's all right. <laughs> I, I can imagine. All right. So we are gathered here today to talk about the film They Slash Them. Pastor Ben, you were just here for the season 13 finale, and you're back again for the premiere. So I'm going to give you a pass this time. Tara Gardner, give me a nice, tight 30-second plot summary of the movie They Slash Them. The clock starts now! A group of teens arrive at a gay conversion camp that swears it's not like others are not trying to make them straight. But as things go on, we realize that they are just as bad, if not worse, than everyone else who's a homophobe because they suck. And then someone comes along and starts killing off the homophobes. Who is it? Why are they there? And why is their mask kind of dumb? And we'll, we'll find all this out. Well done. Well done. Uh, Pastor Ben, anything you want to add to that? No, that was great. And I also have strong feelings about the mask, just for the record. As do I. And I'm going to have to say, I have nothing to add because, Tara, that was fucking perfect. <laughs> Dance break. Do, 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 do. I was saying to Tara before we started recording, I've seen the movie three times now. The first time through, I fell asleep repeatedly because this movie has pacing problems. I watched it on one of my little watch parties with Tara and a bunch of other friends, and I liked it a bit more. I said, you know what? That wasn't bad. And when I watched it this week and really looked at what was going on, I absolutely despised this movie. I'm glad it exists because it gets people talking, but I think they did everything about it wrong. And um, I don't even know where to start. Let's just get some of the technical stuff out of the way for the boring. What I find surprising is that the, the director is this guy, Josh Logan, three-time Oscar nom nominee for uh, Hugo, Aviator, and Gladiator. Wrote the screenplays for all those, and the screenplay of this is kind of a mess. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's, it seems like he can't handle um, subtle movies. There's some clunky dialogue going on. One of my main problems with this, I mean, I didn't even look to see if he wrote the screenplay or not, but um, that should have been something I've done, but I just didn't care. Ding dong, Patrick from the future here letting you know that, yes, indeed, Josh Lucas also wrote the screenplay for They Them. And initially I thought, well, hey, maybe he's got all these Oscar nominations, sure, and Emmy nominations, but none of it was for horror. And then I looked and said, oh, no, he wrote this. He was nominated for an Emmy for screenplays for Penny Dreadful, and he wrote the screenplay to the movie version of Sque Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. So he's got no excuse. Back to the show. Before we get into stuff that really, really bothers me about the movie, it's the complaints that I heard about it be long before I saw it was that it forgot it's a horror movie. Yeah, I can't, I can't even really call it that. It has a really good start yeah. with its cold open where you're like, ooh, and then it goes in where it could lead into some really good psychological horror, but because you're focusing so much on the campers who are really interesting, good people, you're not scared of them. There isn't as many interactions with the people who should be causing the horror and there isn't a death for a really long time after that cold open. So yeah, it's is this a horror or is it just sort of like last minute horror thrown in? That's what it felt like to me. It feels like two scripts sewn together. Because the, when the slasher finally does show up in the last 20 minutes of the movie of its hour and 40 minute runtime, it, it goes by so fast and there's nothing to it that it just didn't seem organically part of the story. Well, and if, I think, I think like this, this whole movie is kind of like, I, like what drove me nuts about it was I felt like it was three different movies. I felt also like it was 
I, I'm just going to, I hated this movie. Um, and I'm just going to say that, but, uh, but I think part of it was like, it was almost like they had the beginnings of good stuff and then they just let it die. Like it, it was almost like you could keep going, right? This is the good stuff. And then, oh no, we're going to cut to something more absurd than we did the last time. It's really Agreed. strange that it's coming from people who are so experienced in the film industry because I would have bought a lot more if someone was like, oh, this was their first film. Yeah. Because then I probably would have also forgiven a lot of the stuff because they didn't have the experience on self-editing or going to people and listening to no. But True. yeah, because there are just certain things where you're just like, well, there's this, there's that. I'm so, As soon as I saw who the killer was, I knew who it was just because of who they cast. I don't know if we're going to talk about that early <laughs> well, yes, on. Yes, we will. We will. Like, we're going to spoil. Oh. We, ha- we we can't talk about this movie without spoiling the shit out of it. That's just the way things are. Yeah, but yeah, that's one of those things. Like when you when you have a mask killer situation, don't let the person playing the killer be in the mask, especially if they're five foot nothing, because it was really clear that this that the killer was very tiny. So let, so sorry. Let's ben. not let's not use a mask that looks like Leslie Vernon and the collector had an uninteresting baby. I mean. It, it didn't mean anything. And when I when I was watching it last night, I realized she doesn't spoiler. She doesn't need the masks. No, like the mask. The kills are so quick. The the victims rarely see it because if it's there to cause terror in the victims before you kill them, that's not happening. They don't. Right. They normally don't see it. So it, it's kind of and it's just slowing her down. Yeah. If it had been something like to go with the poncho that she wears, like a fly screen or something over her face to obscure, that would have made more sense. Yeah. Yeah. This was like, I'm this person, but then I have to dress like a, a like a maniac auto mechanic. Right. Like, so it's like a, a weird disconnect. It's handed. It's handed to us. Yeah. In yeah. one of the scenes where one character says to the other, we all wear masks. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, that's psychology 101 BS. <laughs> it's garbage. Oh. Here's the thing with me. Something that Ben just said. Run something with me about that goes completely against how the show's this show has been running for the past couple of years. Ben said, I hate this movie. I've made it a point not to talk about movies that I hate on the show anymore. Just there's so much negativity out there. And I don't like shitting on movies for fun, but this movie's important because it, it made itself important. And I don't think I've ever seen a movie that was so afraid of its own ideas. Yeah, like the, I I hate it. Because I hate it for all the reasons it could have been better. Yes, exactly. Because it does have some really good characters too. Nothing nothing is the fault of the cast. Nothing no, is the fault no, of the cast. The cast no. is and doing their- I think that's what's so frustrating. We're all like, you could have been so much more. You yeah. were almost there and then just, this but is what they you they weren't though, because I realized the fatal flaw of this movie is that this movie decided, made the conscious choice- to take religion out of the equation. And by taking religion out of the equation, you pardoned the biggest perpetrator of this hideous mass act. This that is what fuels the gay conversion camps. If you take out the religion, you got nothing. And there's the movie. Yeah. In fact, one of my biggest notes, because I was, I was, I was following your direction and I was trying to think about things that worked and didn't work. And that was one of the things I thought worked until it didn't work. And so like, there was this idea that I, I kind of got what they were doing, right? When they sort of lessened the Christian identity. I think part of it was Peacock doesn't have the courage to go after the Christian community the way it needs to be gone after for this, right? Concur, then don't make the movie. Yeah. And, and, yeah. but I think the second thing was like what I, 
there's a part of me that wants to say, I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm not an animal like these people. There's a part of me that want to say, yeah, they don't deserve that identity, right? I'm not calling them Christian either. They're Nazis, right? But then as I got towards the end of the movie, I was like, no, you let them off the hook. Yes, right? exactly. You, you let them act like this is a normal thing that all kinds of people do. And that's not true. That is a lie. And so that was such a cop out to me that I found it offensive and, and cowardly. And I, I, I say this as a Christian, right? We deserve to be reconciled with this. And this didn't do it. It's when people misuse things to basically, I'm going to bludgeon you with this and you can't say anything because then you're attacking my religion when it's like, no, you're misusing it. Right. And the closest thing they kind of got to it is when they were talking about like, oh, it's always been this with like the gun scene where he's talking about like men hunt and all of that. Okay, listen up. Two things control this world. Biology and history. I know this is not a popular thing to say nowadays, but men have naturally evolved to be larger and stronger than women. There's a reason for that. Our forefathers were hunters. They had to chase down game and subdue it. They hunted or they starved. It's in our DNA, gentlemen. We're meant to be killers. This is our biological imperative. And no amount of civilization, no amount of progress, no amount of liberal humanism can alter that genetic truth. You can't argue with science. And science tells us that we are meant to pass that necessary DNA down through the bloodline, through women, through impregnating women and having children. That is science. And that is history. And I've mentioned in the screening that we were at, that's actually been a lot disproven with um, DNA testing of grave sites and everything. They're like, this hunter da, 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 was a woman or this couple that had all this weaving stuff were two men. Don't you know, Tara, that the Illuminati planted those skeletons to like fool us now because your earth is only 8,000 years old. Next to the dinosaur bones. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But yeah, the other thing that really that that followed with this thought was that I don't think they talked to anybody who's actually survived. No, one of these camps, because what they do at this camp is not that bad. I mean, yes, there is a tor- one torture thing, one torture thing. They're mean. They're mean. But for the most part, I'm going, OK, so the big torture is they have to make pie and friendship bracelets what's going on here this is not the tactics that go on there i could go on and on but this thing's like this is what they, they did in but i'm a cheerleader yeah but this in reality they're using they, they keep the kids doped up uh these isolation they use um this rape this sexual torture this forced sexual activity right. they make you have sex with each other or, or do some kind of sexual activity with each other and the electrician the electrocution thing yeah that they do but here's the thing they even toned that down in this movie because that's not where they put the electrodes they don't put them on your chest nope. they put them on your genitals or in your rectum or both yeah i mean i feel like they they bent over backwards to make us feel bad about a dog dying, but they whitewashed the idea that this is a torturous concentration camp, right? Mm-hmm. Because the dog scene, let's face it, we saw that coming 50 miles away, 
Right. Oh, as soon as the dog um, was shown. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that dog's dead. Well, it's a horror movie. <laughs> right. if, you, if all of a sudden we point out a dog, you go, that dog's dead. And I was just like, like the torture scene almost seemed like an afterthought. And I'm like, this is what actually happens. This should be excruciating. And it wasn't. I mean, I hate to be saying this, but we should have seen these kids being broken down. Like when you start in the military and they break it down to your full metal jackets that you're just a hardened shell with nothing inside. That's right. what we needed to see. We need to see that kind of psychological breakdown and we don't get it. Granted, I've also learned because there's a d- documentary that's not great on uh, Netflix right now called Pray Away, which is about the ex-gay movement, which now is all the ex-gay movement because it doesn't work. And all the people who started the movement are now gay again and we're supposed to forgive them for all the thousands of lives that they ruined but not the point right now but they were talking about how yeah well the the ex-gay movement kind of caught on to the fact that people don't like these terms they, they know that the tactics that we use so they don't call it that anymore they don't call it the ex-gay movement they don't call it a conversion camp it'll be like a gender recentering workshop and it'll be packaged more softly, but when it comes down to it, it it's the same content in a, in a more pretty package. Well, they're trying to skirt because a lot of countries are banning them now. Yeah, it's, exactly. Like in Canada, it's entirely banned, but I'm convinced it's still happening. They're just of using different terms. Sure. Mm-hmm. Or they're just not using any terms. Like it's happening. Yeah. Nobody knows about it. It's, oh, I talked to this person who talked to this person. There's a psychologist and they've lost their license, but they know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Someone I know, some, a, a mentor of mine was sent to one of these camps as an adult. It was one of those people that we always knew was gay, but um, but he didn't. Like he came from a very, 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 very reclusive religious background. He was thrown out of that religious background. He had a wife and 5,000 children. But at the same time, we're going, there's something about you. We kind of know. And then he got kicked out of another church and then another church. And then he wound up at a camp and he killed himself three days after he got home. So – as an adult, like in his 60s. So this stuff still goes I ju- on. I just heard a story of a pastor uh, who, you know, his denomination does not support our folks. Um, and they saw him on a date, right, with a man. And he was given a choice. You can either lose your ordination or you can go to a conversion camp, period. He chose the camp because he did not want to give up his ordination. And he's been messed up ever since, like truly traumatized terrible and we, we don't get any of that in the movie like nothing that no, these kids no. go nothing that these kids go through aside from like the one scene of physical torture nothing's that bad there's elements that are truly horrific in this subject matter and i think they wanted so much to just punish the people they saw who should be the villains but it's the villains needed to actually do the villainy that exists in the world because in this, even the one psychological counseling session we see it's terrible that woman would lose her license but it's not as bad as it would be. Yeah. It, it's not as just, it's really frustrating. It's again, the, you could have been better. Yeah. Since you brought it up, Tara, that's one of the things I wrote down as a scene that works. The, the way she does that, the way Cora, the, the, the counselor, we don't know if she's a doctor or not. We don't know what kind of license she has. We have no idea. We, I don't they even just know refer if she, to her as one. Yeah. We have nothing about, but the way she does it is 100% how they get in your head. Because it's mm-hmm. the same technique they use in sales. They, we see her rifling through the belongings of another camper to get information about them. And then when that, that, that camper is in the session, she makes this fake bond. Like, oh, I, you know, I come from a Navy family, which she now knows that this camper did because she went through her stuff and makes this false connection. It can't have been easy choosing to live this way. It wasn't a choice. I understand. 
Believe me, I've been there. I was a Navy brat. I moved every few years, base to base. It was all Navy all the time. All my brothers went into the Navy. I was the only one who didn't. I was just so different. After a while, I stopped trying to fit in. I was never going to get my parents' love like my brother's. See, we have this bond. See, we have this bond. I'm not making, I'm going to pretend that I didn't know that about you, but I'm just saying that that you start to relax a little bit about me because, oh, you think you know something about me. And then just when you start to lower your guard, she throws out that half truth because this person is trans. When I'm binary trans. Non-binary, yeah. I suppose if I had been of your generation, I might have chosen to become a boy too. So they wouldn't be so disappointed in me. Do you think your parents are disappointed in you? Sometimes. That must make you sad. Or angry. Both. Sure, I know. Because no matter what you do, you'll never be good enough. Or straight enough. Or man enough. Or woman enough. It's like you're nothing to them. You're not even a freak. You're nothing. So what do you do? You try to make yourself special. So they'll see you. So they'll notice you. So they'll love you. You become they. And then you just realized that they were never going to love you. So you had to make yourself special. You had to make yourself different. You had to call attention to yourself to make yourself feel better. So you became a they. Which, when I had to stop and think about it, there's probably a nugget of truth in there. Like, the wording's wrong. Like, yeah, I didn't I didn't feel loved and I didn't feel special. And then all of a sudden I realized there was a community that I – belonged to that was not this one. And I did become that because I do feel special now. But the way she worded it could twist things around. What what works, because that was one of my it work scenes too. Um, and I think it was because that is what happens, right? Because there is truth, right? We do feel unworthy. We do feel unloved. We do feel like we're disappointments, right? We go through those things. And especially at the age these campers are, it's the easiest time to exploit that, right? Because it's true. And all you have to do is take that tiny piece of truth. And this is what cult leaders do, right? Oh, yes. And, and yes. twist it into an abusive truth, right? Because they're never going to love you as long as you're this, right? And they're never going to, you'll never be good enough, right? So let, let me fix you and then you can be loved again. And it was truly, I thought that scene was too good for the rest of the movie, frankly. Yes. Yes. That, that scene was 100% honest. I said, Oh, I see what you did there. Cause even, even when she was saying the whole thing about you didn't feel special, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of started to go down with her. I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah. That is. Yeah. Okay. I did do that. And then when she lays in, as you said, what did you call it? The abusive truth right after that, when right. you get, when you let your guard down, no one's ever going to yeah. love you. The thing you picked, it's a lie. Honey, it's not going to work. This thing you invented, it's a fake. 
They're never going to love you. No one is. Not unless you drop this nonsense and admit what you are. A scared, lonely, ugly, little dyke. They're never going to love you. You're a freak. You're just a sad little dyke. Right. I so just wanted her to lean forward, though, and be like, is that what they told you? Like, because this character is so I understand that emotionally they've been beaten down. But this character is just such portrayed as such a natural leader. It just was like, no, (laughs) dang it. I don't want this for you. You're better than them. Uh, our, our, the star of our film, aside from Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon is fine. Kevin Bacon does what Kevin Bacon does, and Kevin Bacon does what's in the script, and he does it yeah. brilliantly. That's fine. I have nothing to say about Kevin Bacon. But uh, the star of the film is uh, Theo Germain, who plays Jordan, who in another movie would be the final girl, but they're non-binary, so we don't have a term for that yet. A final, final they? That doesn't sound right, but final, final, final person, person. Final person, thank you. It's a fascinating performance and also a frustrating performance. Through showing and not telling, they are very much the character of Jordan is a natural leader. People want to follow them because they're a good person. They want to help others and be a protector, but they are still fighting with themselves, with their identity. And they say, they say when they're there, I'm only here because if I do this, my parents are going to let me be emancipated. So basically getting kicked out, but now it's on their terms instead of just being kicked out or being forced to live in the home and be misgendered and possibly dead named and all of this in the home. And so that's why it's it's frustrating when you see that character get beat down like that, because it's just like you, we've seen them be better. We've seen them go against the grain when one character is forced to wear clothing of their assigned at birth gender, which is bullshit on another level. Gentlemen, you have a new roommate. All I ask from you people is honesty. Honesty in how you treat each other and honesty in how you present yourselves. Lying is not going to get us anywhere. I wasn't lying. This is who I am. Jordan treated me with respect by being truthful about their transition. You did not. Simple as that. Okay, everyone out front, 10 minutes for roll call, and please dress appropriately What the fuck is this? What does it fucking look like, boyfriend? Freak show is what it looks like. How am I supposed to dress appropriately? I'm a woman. I don't have any goddamn boy clothes. Hey, hey, don't worry about it, okay? We'll get you some clothes. Jordan Mm. wears a dress for the whole day to kind of make a point and draw away attention from the other character so they don't feel uncomfortable. And that sort of character you want to learn more about and be with. Yeah, I thought Jordan was um, a, a, a deeply spiritual figure, right? In the sense that I thought what was the strongest well, the, thing. Well, 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 sorry, Pastor Ben, the river of Jordan is deep and wide. Yeah, Hallelujah. exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So um, <laughs> don't make me have to get that song in my head, Patrick. I will hate you forever. Um, but uh, the <laughs> the uh, there's something powerful about the humility of a character who can suffer, um, even in their strength, right? We know this is a strong person, but we also know this is a person who has vulnerability, right? And I, re- one of the things I fixated on about Jordan, um, and I'm probably jumping ahead here, but 
is the necklace that Jordan wore because I think it was a like a saint's medal. Um, and I thought, and, and that, that little moment where she, or they grab it, right, uh, towards the end of things. And I thought, oh, Jordan is the one who gets to keep both dignity and faith, right? Um, and, 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 and sort of is iconic of that throughout this, right? It's kind of the spiritual leader who isn't, isn't always strong, is sometimes very vulnerable, um, but in a way that empowers others. And, but the problem is, I'm banging on my table, um, we only got to about 40% of that. Yeah. I thought they ripped the rug out from underneath them in the finale. And I know we're jumping around, but that's just the way it's going to go today. Because as I said to both of my guests earlier, going through the plot is going to not, you know, plot by plot point is not going to do us any service because it falls into after school special for a really long time. Yeah. That's a great description. That's like the best description. A lot of it does. <laughs> that stuff ultimately doesn't matter. I mean, because it's a horror movie. And it, there's some wonderful moments in there and there's some terrible moments in there. But for the most part, eh. ding dong, Patrick from the future here. Just to let you know, Patrick from the past is about to get really excited about the point that he's about to make. And in the process, he's going to misgender our movie hero, a whole lot. I'm going to say she a lot instead of them. Now, I thought about this and I said, Patrick, you can go in and re-record this and fix it that way. And I said, you know what? I think the only way this old queen is going to learn some new tricks is that if I leave it the way it is so that my mistake is out there for all to see so that I might actually learn from this mistake. This, this embarrassment will be out there forever and I'm just going to acknowledge it, own up to the fact that I did it, not try to hide it and say, I can do better. Past, present, and future Patrick apologizes to all of you for this mistake. Let's get back to the show. Just jumping to this finale, um, and I'm just talking about her performance. It's not even her performance. It's what she was directed to do. It's what the script tells her to do. One of, one of the things I found fascinating about Jordan is that there was a restraint to Jordan. You can see that Jordan doesn't like to let things show. That mm. it wasn't, I'm, I'm an actor giving you blank. It's more, mm -mm. I'm not comfortable, so I'm giving you nothing, which makes sense because she comes from a military family. She's learned the full metal jacket, and she's a queer person in a, in a military family. You know how to show nothing. That's something that you learn as a survivor survival skill as a young queer person. Just mm, nope, nope. Well, nope, I think the, that there's part of that too. I think that that sort of represents that non-binary folks, especially, take heat from both sides, right? Um, and so they, you know, who do they trust? Um, and so when Jordan goes into this atmosphere, I'm thinking like trust is probably problematic, right? Uh, because you've got, you've already got like, you know, you've got like the jock gay because we need, we need that cartoon character. Um, and you know, who, who is showing the discriminatory side of our own community, right? Um, yeah. you're a freak. Um, yeah. you know, what are you? And, and so I, I thought, I thought the actor portrayed that very well the script does not. No. Yeah. Just how it's again, there were aspects to characters that I really liked and how they interacted with each other. And I just wish it had gone further. Like, as you said, it was 40% there. Yeah. Like with yeah. Alexandra. Before we yeah, switch characters, before we switch characters, yeah. put a pin in Alexandra. We'll come back to her for sure. Yeah. Because that's, she's definitely somebody I want to talk about. Um, but like I was saying with the finale, the finale, all of a sudden Jordan's blank in a way that a normal, per like anybody would not be blank. Right. In this situation. 
And it seems to be a conscious choice. And for a while I was thinking, is she, sorry, are they supposed to be, is this supposed to be some kind of take on how men behave in the last reel of horror movies that nothing scares them and nothing shocks them? Is this supposed to be some commentary on that? Because there are things that happen in this last reel right in front of Jordan that any normal person would have a reaction to. They see someone get impaled on a rhinoceros horn. They see someone get their throat slashed right in front of them, and their expression is blank. And it's not as if Jordan's been through this war that he could say, oh, they're shell- this character is shell-shocked. No, this is still a child that this is happening in front of. And there are s- it's not just the sight of violence. There's the sounds, there's the smell, there's the proximity of it. And to just see no reaction is so odd. And yes, it does bother me when men have no reaction in horror movies. So I don't know why they were directed to give us nothing because it just takes away from the horror of what's happening and the reality of it. If these events didn't mean anything to Jordan, why should they mean anything to us? But what really got me is that when all was said and done, their take was just, uh, I got mine. I'm going to go. Bye. Right. (laughs) All of a sudden it turned very self. It's like, yeah, I, yeah, this, I could help stop this, save other kids, but no, I'm not gonna. There's so many camps like this. We can cleanse them all. Okay. So what are we going to tell them? We can say he did it. He killed them. Enough. No more lies. Where does it end? When every camp like this is closed. When we've killed them all. We could do that. Jordan, you and me. You can try to stop me. But I'm going to go to my friends now. We're going to leave this place and never look back. And no one is ever going to tell us who we are ever again. Not him. Not you. No one. I'm trying to save you. No one needs to save me. That's the message you're going to leave us with? Really? Just, Just take care of yourself and don't worry about anybody else. And that was one of the main problems I had was also at the end, Jordan says, when the killer is like, I, I, we could save them. And Jordan said, I don't need you to save me. When she just literally saved you. Earlier, the killer just saved you. <laughs> but also earlier in the movie, Jordan specifically asked that character, save us. Yeah. Alexandra said you helped her with her pills. Now you have to help all of us. Do what? Protect us. From what? From this. Yeah. That killer is just doing exactly what you asked. Yeah, that was that was and the, now um, you're walking away. That was the inciting moment. I realized this last time through, like when she's asked save us, and that's when the killings start. Yeah. An hour and twenty minutes. Of the movie. And that's yeah. I'm like, that's when I'm like, I wish the dialogue was just better. The, the ending dialogue of the killer and all of that is just so frustrating i think i saw that interaction a little differently um because yeah. I, because i was taking notes uh, when they were having that conversation about 
you know, we could save more people, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. And I thought that sort of the, uh, for me, if, if it had been played better, okay, <laughs> this was a moment where, jo- where Jordan rejects the concept of revenge, right? Um, and says, no, I want justice. You know what to do, Jordan. Do it! Shooting a sick old dog is one thing, Jordan. Shooting a man. Uh, no, sir. I mean, that takes a certain kind of heart. You don't know me. You don't know anything about me. Well, I know everything about you. I know you're scared. I know you want this to end. But not like this, son. Not like this. Jordan, you saw the pictures. All those kids. All that torture. You know what he does here. Ends this now! You're strong enough to do this, Jordan. No. I'm strong enough to not do this. I don't want vengeance, right? Um, and but but again, we only got about twenty percent there, right? So like I had to infer that, um, which is coming totally from a my own perspective. Um, but but it could have been a more important moment about how we handle this. Yeah, you 100% that's there. And I was there for that. I'm like, yes, we don't have to play the revenge game. You don't have to kill him just because she told you to, just because this movie dictates right. that we need you to kill him. We're talking about Kevin Bacon here. That's fine. I love that. But it was what happened after that when she's like, but okay, but this this bigger problem. It's good. It's very cute that you want to walk away from this forever and live your own life, but you are tied to this forever now. Yeah. This is tied to you forever. It was such a poorly crafted idea. I mean, it was there. It just wasn't there. Yeah. And just that last shot with all the survivors just lounging around, like people that we saw escape are now back at the camp. Like you came back. Right. And they're lounging in front of that, 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 that community room, which is a crime scene. This place is a crime scene. You've got kids just lounging around. They're just like, it sounds like just another day. Like everyone's going to go home. Oh, wow. What a crazy day at camp. Well, how's, have a great, have a great summer. I'll see you next summer. What? So back to the real world now, I guess. What are you going to tell your parents? We'll tell them together. What about you? Get emancipated. Live my life. You live your best life. Always. No, your lives are fucked forever. You, right. you're being, you're, you're, the police are going to try to pin this on you. Right. <laughs> they don't yeah. know what happened. You, they the would only- be being grilled individually. They'd be being yeah. broken down. And it seems like they're going to walk away from this. And that's just so false. The whole thing rang or how false. About you, everybody else just found out in that moment that their nurse is a murderer. Yeah. I mean, you know, they didn't really know that when she sent them into the wilderness. Oh, and by the way, our, our murderer, since we, we've spoken, it's, it's the nurse and it's played by Anna Chlumsky, who I adore. She can do no wrong. But I think mm, like with many things. As soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, Anna Chlumsky, she's our killer. 
as soon as I saw the killer, I'm like, well, that's her because she's tiny. <laughs> Bless her heart. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I, I her. didn't know Anna Klumski was in it until yeah. I physically saw her. And then later they really telegraph it to you because there's a wall of photos of past campers and they start right up on a photo of her that's as a her. child. Yeah. And yep. back up. And I'm like, oh, and Clemson. And we all know what she looks like as a child because it's from my girl. Yep. <laughs> I, I, think she, I, think, I think that she's grown up into a wonderful actor. Uh, she was great on Veep. I got to see her on Broadway twice, holding her own against Richard Thomas. She's great. She can do drama. She can do comedy. She's a great performer. They really should have had somebody queer in this role. Like all the yes. queer characters are queer in real life. All those actors are queer. But they really needed someone if you're going to have someone who's lived through this, you need somebody who's lived through some form of this. Like, even if it's just hiding from your family, like, Anna Schlumke doesn't know what this feels like. You don't remember me, do you? So many kids have been through here. How can you be expected to remember them all? Molly. Oh, no, I'm not Molly. Molly's dead in her car on the way here so I could take her place. My name's Angie. Angie Phillips. Do you remember her? Stay down. No. Angie Phelps, nothing. She was only 14 when you first met her. She was a good girl then. Before all this, before you put her in that chair and burned all the good out of her. You must understand. No, I mustn't. No more words, Owen. No more speeches. When Angie left here, it was the suicide attempts and the loneliness and the self-hatred and pills and the doctors and oh, the anger. So much anger. I woke up one morning and realized my soul was just hollow. But you know all about that. That's what you do to people. To children. You hollow them out. And when all of this comes out, and the news on TV, all of the bodies all the horror of it. No one will ever send their kids to a place like this again. And you and everyone like you will be burning in hell right next to me. I mean, she, God bless her, because I love her too. But I mean, that was the most, that was the worst character in the movie from a perspective of character development. Yeah. It's just a picture. one of the things that, uh, another thing that infuriated me, since we talked about how we distance ourselves from religion, like we excuse religion for this. There's a scene where Jordan finds all these old photographs from the camp of all the abuse that's gone on there over the years. Those photographs had seventies fade. They were in black and white. There were some in sepia tones. You put this abuse decades in the past. You distance yourself. This movie set up. No, this happened so long ago. No, 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 no. Well, who cares what happened fifty years ago? It's a new camp now, right? Right. If they had those old photos, there needed to be new photos too. 
Yes, yes exactly. Well, this is just kept going. Because I think that's what they were trying to do, right? Like this has been going on since, you know, for millennia. But I mean, yeah. it, and I think they were trying to show that. But as you just said, right, they stopped at some point, right? Yeah. And said, oh, well, that's yeah, then. <laughs> like, it was mind boggling, right? Because exactly. I mean, I think even not even as a filmmaker, right? I can say that's incomplete, right? Like this is happening as you're making this movie. That's kind of the note of the whole movie. You just said it's incomplete. Yeah. Everything about this, it's the idea is there. It's not completed. The characters are there. They're not allowed to be completed. Even the ending doesn't feel complete. Since it's the elephant in the room, you both know. All of you out there know there are certain things that I will always love in a movie. Oh, Patrick. Getting ready montage. <laughs> yes. Microfiche research scene. That's a really hard thing to say. Microfiche research scene and a completely unnecessary choreographed musical number. Uh, we, ha we have the opposite feeling. <laughs> By those rules we just applied, I should have loved the scene where the, where the campers burst out in a spontaneous chorus of Pink's Perfect. Fucking perfect, more like fucking bullshit. I, I swore at my TV when that scene came on. I was like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, <laughs> I got reminded, have either of you seen the movie Saved? Mm -hmm. A thousand years ago, but yes. Yeah. Um, on the DVD, there's um, an audio commentary, and they talk about how at one point it's going over all the characters and they're playing, oh, God, it's... I can't remember the song, but it's like a Brian Wilson song, I think. Originally, the director wanted all the characters to be singing the lines to the songs as they were going over each character. The actors had to say, no, that's dumb. And that kind of felt like this to me, <laughs> especially at the one point where they kind of go on each person. They're like, why do I do that to myself? It's someone needs to go, you can have us singing and getting along. You, you need to be a little more delicate with it and a little more organic. Because I just immediately, I remembered that other thing where the director was like, I, yeah, I was glad I listened to them. They were right. What offended, this scene was offensive to me again. This movie is offensive to me. Um, and I agree. I, yeah. I, uh, because this is not what it's like, right? This does not happen. This is not a musical moment, right? These children are being tortured in these places. And the idea that we try to have some kind of messed up, like, oh, you know, montage about uh, whatever that was. I'm like, I get what you're trying to do, but it is so inorganic and it is so fake that it's insulting. 100%. The thing that really struck me about it is a problem with the whole movie is that the campers themselves, they talk about how fucked up the camp is, yet they show no fear of the administration. Yeah. If they were going to do that, Sing it in whispers, but they don't do that because they don't fear any consequences because there are no consequences for anything that they do, which is weird. And I started thinking this is if they, if, okay, if these kids were in an actual real life conversion camp, the last thing the people running it would do is want these kids to be banding together in any way. The whole thing is to isolate, separate and break you down. So this would have been grossly punished. When I first watched it, I thought, oh, trying to justify it in my head. I said, oh, they're getting really swept away and they're forgetting where they are. 
this is going to be an escalation point. They're going to get caught. And now the torture will begin. And it doesn't happen. And the thing is, they are caught. We keep we learned earlier on that the whole place is on is videotaped, is on uh, closed camera videotape. So somebody's watching them. And then as we pull back, we see, yes, indeed, Kevin Bacon is watching them, not on camera, but he's out in the woods being a creeper, peeking through the windows. And I said, ah, now things are going to get really bad. And they don't. They make pie the following day. Today, we're going to be exploring traditional gender roles. By behaving in a certain way, by learning to recognize and accept modes of societal behaviors, perhaps we'll come to appreciate the emotional value in reinforcing these behaviors. Even finding comfort and a sense of community within them. So, ladies... Let's make a pie. Ding dong. Patrick from the future here. Before everybody comes at me, I am well aware that they split the group, that the women went to make pies, and Kevin Pagan took the men off to the gun rifle range to practice shooting the targets. That's where he forces the campers to shoot the camp dog. That's an escalation, Patrick, isn't it? Yes, but I don't think, but in my heart of hearts, I think that was always on the agenda. Shooting the dog was always going to happen on that day. It's on the secret camp calendar. So no, I don't think it was an escalation. I think it was just another day at Camp Whistler. There was no fear of getting caught through this movie. We have campers hooking up and having sex out in public, out on docks, in the middle of the lake, where they could be caught at any moment, and they don't care. No, and it's, it's absurd. When I watched it, I was like, with the two girls, I was just like, one, she was just nearly sexually assaulted, one of them, by one of the counselors. Kim, can you stay for a minute? I think we owe ourselves a taste, don't we? Just one little slice. We'll share to save on calories. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh, it is just so lovely, I hate to cut it. You're lovely, too. Just like your pie. Perfectly formed... Nice and warm. Curvy outside. Juicy inside, I'll pet. Taste? Go on. Not really hungry. It's just like I dreamed about. I dream a lot. What do you dream about, Kim? (laughs) Oh, what's the matter, dear? (laughs) And... Now they're just doing this right there in the open. Look at me. Look at me. A strong, smart girl like you shouldn't be trying to make other people happy with some pretend life. You're more than what people want you to be. So you're gay. Big fucking deal. I 
keep expecting Jason Voorhees to come out of these woods. Who? And I'm like, this is not safe. This is not safe. And then when the other two, and I'm like, this is not safe. And it just feels weird and not organic. Was I, I? First of all, first of all, um, I don't remember the character's name because this movie's terrible with giving the characters names. Terrible. Yes. Uh, but uh, Monique Kim, the Asian bisexual girl, I loved her. Give me more of her. Give me more of that energy. Yeah, she was, she great. was great. Her and the other girl, I don't have her name in front of me. The girl who played the the more the blonde. blonde, more more Christiany, the rich Christian girl. All the stuff between them was great. They have the little love scene on the dock, but then there's another love scene later on with the with the track boy and um, the non-binary person. You look like a girl. No, I don't. Where they're kissing in the lake, and it's such a gorgeous shot. The sun is setting behind them. It is a shot you would die for in a movie, yet I'm going, I don't buy any of this. Right? Yeah. None of it. <laughs> It's one of those things where I'm just like, is it just me that I'm thinking this just doesn't feel vibey? And yeah. So good to know I'm not the only one who was just like, huh? It just, and I mean, that was one of those things though, where I was like, this is a different movie. I mean, like this, this has nothing to do with any of this. And it's so artificial. I mean, it's like, oh, we need to, we need to have some romance in our horror picture about concentration camps for gay folks, right? That. You don't have to do that, folks. I don't care who you are, Peacock. You don't have to do that. There's a scene on the dock, though, with the girls that really rung for me. One of the things that the the other girl says, the blonde girl, said, I just try so hard yeah. to be straight. I am trying so hard to be straight. I want this to work so bad. But it isn't. <laughs> Look at me. It's what I said. Yes, that's if you went with that. Just go with that kind of pain because that's what I what I, in that documentary I talked about. That's what they kept talking about. They're like, I'm trying so hard to be straight. I'm praying every minute of every day for God to change me, and He's not. And why? What does that mean about me? That it's so damaging that they live in a world that never says. There's maybe it's because there's nothing that needs to be changed there's about nothing you. Nothing wrong with you, yeah, but it's a it's a never ending. It's a what do they call it? Yeah. Vicious cycle. You just keep. Well, you never around. have that as an option. It's like people saying there's a sudden research, like surgence of trans people, and then I, the best against that I've seen was someone's like, here's a graph of people who are left handed. See this spike? Guess what happened? We stopped physically beating children in schools for being left handed, and then we just let people be who they were, and the more you just let people be who they are and see that other people like them exist and can just be happy adults, the more they're going to be that. I can understand how seeing the character saying that, the frustration, it's important. And then you have that juxtaposition of the other character who admits, I'm only here to write a paper. Yeah. Because yeah. she has that where she knows there's nothing wrong with her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's another, like, this is another problem I had with the very basic premise, right, is, and I, I'm talking as a, you know, when the first prayer I ever uttered as a child 
was asking God to make sure I didn't wake up the next morning because I believed I was an abomination, right? Who is now a minister working under the auspices of that same God. Uh, and that's a different story. But they try to pr portray this camp as like being super hip to the point of saying you, it's okay to be who you are and, and, and that kind of stuff. I can't make you straight. I don't want to make you straight. Gay people are A-OK -okay with me. If you're happy the way you are, then more power to you. And I know what you're thinking. You hear the words gay conversion camp and you start to imagine all kinds of homophobic bullshit. Well, that is not what we're about here. And let me tell you another thing. God, God doesn't hate you either. And any son of a bitch that tells you otherwise is a bigoted asshole. And that is officially the last time that you're going to hear about the man upstairs. I promise you. You must find your own truth. Let us help you do that. Please. There's not a Christian conversion camp in this nation that says that to anybody. And, nope. and, and, and the minute you walk in the door, you are an abomination who has to change or burn in hell for the rest of your eternity, right? You don't deserve to live unless you can, you can successfully go through this process. And so that was another one of those weird little whitewashings that is undermined by that scene, right? Because we know what that feels like, right? We don't know much about nasty Christians telling us it's okay to be who we are, right? Because they yeah. don't say that. No, they don't. Or if they do, it's, there's, there's, there's a butt. Yeah, exactly. There's a butt. And I don't mean a butt. I mean, there's a, there's, there's. Right. Yeah. However, there's a, it, however. Well, in the Peacock version, there's probably we a butt. We love you just the way you are. <laughs> however, <laughs> this part could use a little work. She had another moment earlier on in that, in that, in that first scene where uh, the, that introduction scene there, the introduction circle, the getting to know your circle. She's like, I just want to give my parents grandkids like my sister did. I was like, ooh, 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 that one wrong, that one wrong. I want to get my parents grandkids like my sister did. That little bit hit home because I, I will joke about this when I say my family tree dies with me. My family name dies with me. Yes, I have other siblings, but my brother had two daughters, no sons. So the family name is not getting passed on. And part of me says, good. If that's the case, it doesn't deserve to get passed on. But there's still that little bit of Catholic guilt that says I failed my parents. There's still something inside that hurts when I think about it. I had these moments where the movie rang, but then they would undercut it. And one of the things that I really I meant to really bring this up earlier, one of my real problems with the movie, one of the reasons why it's so bland is that there is a weird blankness to all of the queer characters. There's something apologetic about all of the queer characters. Like, it's kind of like, it's like this is a movie made for straight people. Look how difficult it is to be a gay. Because all the queer characters have this weird kind of apology to them, which I guess might exist in this camp. But there's also a genericness to them. We're all just the same kind of sad and the same kind of empty and with no real specifics. And it's... No character traits like the, these characters. Most of them don't have character traits. They're just there to be sad. I'm a trap runner and I'm sad. I'm I'm the I'm the guy who can't who wants to go see Moulin Rouge, but I can't. So I'm sad. 
My brother, I am, sad. I am a gay jock. I am sad. I am sassy and I vogue and I'm sad. <laughs> I am a trans woman and I'm sad. Like it's, it's one of those things of just like, it's a lot of what people expect mm-hmm. and they don't realize that there's a lot more diversity and just things that aren't talked about. They'd have no idea what to do with me being ace. Like, yeah, no, they would. No, they would they not. Have no, no idea. No, they would not. <laughs> they'd just be like, so no sex. What? And that is just—it's a concept most pa- straight people don't know about, so it's not going to be talked about. Well, and, and I think is, I think Patrick, to yeah. your point, right? In a way, I think this was a movie made for straight people, right? And and I think there were because you can see the attempts to make them comfortable. Yeah. And I think the only way that uh, this movie is genuine. Right. And, and movies get more genuine, right? Is when we demand that this bullshit stop, right? Because it is, it's a bunch of tropes on parade. Um, and, and we know them all. And we also know none of us fit into any of them because we're complex humans. Um, and so, yeah, that stuff, I, I agree with you. Like, I feel like those actors were handed roles that basically said, okay, we want you to really do this just only at 40%. <laughs> So that's too gay. Too gay. Right. <laughs> like a little had a little gay meter. Just go up. Bam, 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 too much. Bring it down. Bring it down. Um, I think that's why, like, with Alexandra's character, I'm kind of really upset because she was her character could have been so much more. Yeah. And her her reason for being there was really good. Mm. The, also, the surprise that she's not a lesbian, that it's a trans woman. Is fascinating because that's something you don't hear about a lot, a lot that sometimes men turn out to be trans, become trans women and love women. I follow a bunch of them online. <laughs> I, I, there, there was a guy I used to bartend with back in, back in the eighties, uh, back in the nineties rather, who did just that and was married to a woman. I really could not wrap my head around that. I'm like, so you were sh- a straight man who went through this incredible, devastating surgery to become a minority, an abused minority. I couldn't wrap my head around, it. but you know, it was a different time. It was a different time. And I mean, I get it now. Just, Hey, I, I don't get it now, but I don't have to get it. Just be happy. Is that making you happy? Great. Then that makes me happy. But, um, Alexandra, mm, 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 they set up this fascinating character who's tough in a way. The other characters are not tough and then just relegate her to be cheerleader for what in another movie would be the straight white girl in the lead. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I only exist to make you happy and to fulfill your needs. And wow, really, we did this. We spent the whole yeah. first half of the movie making this fascinating individual, and they just made her another sidekick. Because after she's outed by the camp counselors, which I created a head cannon that they called all the families and found the real reasons, because they don't tell you that. Um, she's telling the character of Molly, who's the nurse, who's our killer. That the only reason she's there is she's 18. She could get out, but her parents are basically making it so she can never see her little brother again. I need my pills. The ones you took. I'm sorry, I can't. No, honey, I need them. Sam, please. Look, I don't make the rules here. If you want to talk to Owen, or- I need them. It's the uh, the, the Zoloft. 
This is a pretty powerful antidepressant. I don't think I can give it to you without checking with <laughs> without checking with one of those fuckers who runs the place. Come on. As misguided as they may be about some things, I can't just ignore protocol. It's not so loft, all right? Estradiol. It's an estrogen hormone. I made a deal with my parents. I know. You come here or they throw you out? It's, it's not that at all. When I turned 18, I thought there was nothing they could do to stop me. But I was wrong. I have a younger brother, and he means the world to me. And I mean the world to him. And they said that if I did not come to this place, that they would never let me see him again. Anyway, I need my pills. <laughs> Our secret. That is a very powerful thing. Yeah. And it's mentioned once and then never again. And it's mentioned in a way that doesn't even seem to motivate any of her behavior. I mean, like, because she is kind of the warrior of this movie, right? And the, and and could have been a ferocious character, and and, the, oh. and they even yeah, you're right. They give us a warrior character, a true warrior character who's who's really fighting against the system in a way that even Jordan is not. Mm-hmm. And then take her out of the finale. They took her out. Yeah, yeah. They, they she gets to lead everyone to safety. Right, mm-hmm. right. I'm glad she's safe. But me too. Me too. But I would have liked in a movie where. Like structurally, it would have been, I mean, I, one of the reasons I didn't want to see this initially is that I didn't want to see these beautiful, young, queer kids get killed. Yeah. And then I found out that wasn't the case. But the problem with the movie is that it let, it kind of lets you know that that's not the case because there's not a moment that these kids feel like they're in jeopardy. No. I mean, not and, even psychologically from the camp. You never feel like these kids are in danger. And, no. and it would have been more intellectually honest because they are killing these kids. They are killing these kids. But even if like if you had moments, there's, there's one moment where they're out in the woods on some stupid overnight uh, field trip thing where the killer appears and, and Jordan sees them. There could have been more of that. Like, like we know yeah. the killer's there and the killer's watching, but we don't know who they're after. Yeah, if the killer had been watching and we didn't know the intention. Right. They're, they're, they're watching to make sure these kids are safe, which, right. which we don't know. But, but yeah. Instead, we get like, the initial kill and – Crazy Ralph 2.0, who does nothing, killed as our first two kills. And <laughs> they don't even talk. Speaking of which, this movie is unbelievably cruel to its extras, to the background campers. They don't, they practically don't exist. They don't exist. Nobody acknowledges them. It's really weird. It's really, really weird. And like, this is this thing that I was like, there's one plus size girl and she's one of the background campers. But it, it's just, it's very strange how like the, it makes the main cast seem elitist. Like we're not talking would, to them. We're not talking to the, the big girl. We're not talking to that one. We're not talking to the really femme blonde guy. Why, why are you acknowledging these characters? It's really weird. 
I think if they'd at the start when they were sending them to their cabins, if they'd mentioned something about ages, blah, 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 go to this cabin and say all our background characters were underage. And so they were in separate cabins from everyone else. But like, at least that would have been something. But they didn't need to be there. Why they were so they, separate. They didn't need, they're, they're so superfluous. They don't need to be there. They're yeah, just I mean, distracting. You, you can watch this movie and it would make perfect sense to me if you didn't realize that the campers featured were the only ones there. I mean, like, yeah, like be because yeah. I barely noticed other people. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the reason why I bring that up is that this is one of the things that it, it screams sloppy filmmaking for you. There's a scene that we talked about earlier where Jordan gets up in the middle of the night where she goes to the office and she finds the pictures. And that's when we see this this custodial character get killed. What's he doing when he gets killed? Perving out. Keeping on. He's Keeping watching on the, the girls. cameras in the girls washroom. However, we just saw. Jordan, get up. It's the middle of the night. Why is everybody showering in the middle of the night? <laughs> oh, you're not willing to suspend that disbelief, Patrick. No, I'm not. Well, because the, <laughs> the thing is, because I hated this. Because because if you went with, if you went with that, which we just said, like this, the background campers are the underage characters. He's peeking on the underage girls who we're now seeing naked. And there's something yes. even weird about the way they're in the shower. Like everybody is so non-moving in the shower. They're literally just standing in the shower. Nobody's sudsing. Like usually when you're in the shower, you're very active. You're doing stuff. Everybody's just standing in the shower and it's really weird. It's really weird. Just stand there naked underage kids and do nothing. What? Yeah, it what? Was, let us film us. Let us ogle you. It's weird. I it, don't it like was, it. Uh, it was the light FM version of the Revenge of the Nerds spy scene. Right? Yeah. Like, let nobody hair move pie. too fast. Don't make me say right? hair pie. Don't, don't make me say hair pie. Yeah, that character fully existed just to reference, hey, look, Kevin Bacon was in Friday the 13th. We're going to have a creepy guy and name him Balthazar. Balthazar. I think he's also an addition, like a last minute addition. Like we realized we needed a kill. Yeah. It's been too long without a kill because that character interacts with nobody. Nope. He's never Doesn't on camera talk. with anybody else. So I think he was added sort of, I think I always feel like the first kill seems added because it's so disjointed and out of touch with the rest of the movie. It's like all the slasher stuff just feels off. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things when you, now that you mentioned that scene, because one of my other notes about something that I thought was going to work, but didn't work, um, was the, um, they take the sort of horror convention, right? Which, which used to be, you know, that if you are morally problematic, you're going to die, right? Uh, yes. you did drugs, you do sex. Um, and so instead they're killing the folks who have set themselves up as the moral icons, right? Um, and so there was, very close to being an almost ingenious use of that convention um, to sort of turn it on its head, right? The idea that what what who should be the moral, uh, moral like the the more moral people are the ones who die because in fact they are actually fundamentally immoral, right? Um, and I thought, what a you know that that made me a little excited. Um, but then I thought, but everything you did to try to prove that was so ham handed and stupid, um, that I'm not sure this works. It started. It just doesn't. Yeah. And it just didn't work. And the other thing is that if you, if this was supposed to be a movie that turns the genre on its head so that us, the gays out here get to cheer while our bullies get massacred, we don't get that pleasure either because the kills are very, very contracted, very, very yeah. fast and very off screen and not set they're not, It's weird to say, but they're not satisfying. Like, like particularly be the, the male counselor, dude, the muscle dude, uh, you really want to yeah. see him get it. He's awful. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's a monster. I mean, he's like the monster of the movie, right? The Frankenstein's monster guy, yeah, right? Not Kevin Bacon, the guy who's actually the monster of the movie. It's it's this this particular council. And so all of us kind of wanted him to get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and, and actually, his his bizarre lovemaking scene with his alleged fiance is one of the scenes I think worked because oh, I think it, it's it, dead on. Yeah, it, it, it felt the most true. And, and I think it's the one that actually spoke to the idea of turning that moralistic um, scale on its head. Right. These are people. Ben, ben, please explain what you mean by that. Please explain what's going on in the scene that you're talking about. That's so, so they're, so dead they're, on. they're yeah. allegedly so like they're having they're they're about to have sex. But in order to do so, heterosexual sex, heterosexual sex, he has to look at a picture of a shirtless dude and she has to look at a half naked lady. Right. So it's a and and they're they're, they're, who they know. Right. They're. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's one of the that's the campers. It's the campers. They're looking at pictures of the track guy and the blonde rich girl. Yeah. Which is so gross. Yeah. Please continue. And 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 it, it, it speaks to the idea. Right. That this is a process that cannot work that cannot be sustained, that cannot do anything but damage, because clearly this guy is now a, a psychopath, right? As is his fiance. I mean, she's mm-hmm. a predator, right? Yeah. And so that's the moral thing, right? They're supposed to be the icons of this, this successful process who are morally bankrupt, right? And so they have to die. But the problem is they die in a way that is so flippant and so unsatisfactory that you can't even tell they're being punished for something. No, no, it's a very exactly quick, right. 100%. Like, it felt very quick. The only one that's kind of prolonged is the guy who's a decoy Gabriel. and is pretending to be a count, uh, camper and he's not. And he's there, yeah. that's the only one that's kind of drawn out. He is referred to as floating Judas in my notes. <laughs> This character was so fascinating. I wish they gave him more to do, but they didn't. Yeah, because I know his actor is non-binary. I don't know if his character was. I, I don't know. Well, I just, I would just like, it was the whole, um, there was just this whole, well, he was gen- genderqueer, like genderfuck. Like you look, yeah. you look at him and you're like, I'm not sure what you are, but, and that's kind of his appeal. Because as they said, some, oh, he's the, Gabriel's our poison apple. Someone always wants to take a bite every year. <laughs> he's always gets somebody. Because that's his bait. He's the bait. I'm assuming we, I think he goes by he. I'm not sure. But anyway, I think so matter. in the movie, yeah. I think so. Uh, he goes by he. I know he, the but- actor's not by it because I looked everyone up just to make sure. He's in the boy's cabin. <laughs> yeah. He's right. in the boy's cabin. We're all gay men use night cream, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, <laughs> it's true though. It's true. We all put it on the exact same way. <laughs> Absolutely um, true. It is true. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? Gabriel being the poison apple. Oh, I thought he was fascinating. And he had that whole thing. He had that wonderful speech. Oh, he's there to like seduce a camper, which, and then when they got somebody caught in the trap, they do the electro, the, the electro shock treatment on that person. That's their hope. They're waiting for that to happen, which is weird, but, and that's not how that goes. No, but he had that wonderful moment where he's just like gay, straight, male, female. None of that matters. I know I should feel guilty, but... Do you? Fuck no. I'll feel guilty tomorrow. Maybe. (laughs) What about you? Do you feel bad? Not at all. (laughs) But you don't want to be gay, 
do you? I want to be exactly what I am. In this life of ours, you have to know what you are. There's so many labels now. Gay, bi, queer, trans. But there's only two that really matter. Predator and prey. I know what I am. What are you? Time to find out. I'm very disappointed in you, Stuart. I had such high hopes. Thought he was gonna be the one. No, I knew. What is this? Gabriel is our little forbidden fruit, if you'll pardon the expression. Someone always wants to take a bite. You did this on purpose? So did you, honey. The only thing that matters is predator or prey. Yes. And I want to be what I am. Predator. <laughs> that was great moment. That was a great moment, but it again just gets pissed away. Well, and this he's a character that like I think from a horror perspective, right? Because that was a great little speech. And I thought like he could have really been a more powerful dark force, right? Um, and because he, it, it's alluded to all the time that he's kind of there to plant ideas and sort of get and manipulate people. Mm-hmm. Um, the dog, right? He's the one the that dog, mentions yep. it being sick, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, he's another character that because his character will not exist in the real world. Like that person doesn't exist in these places um, because they would never let that happen. Um, oh, no, no. You know, and, and they don't care. They're going to give you shock therapy anyway. So, you know, they, they wouldn't do that. So he was the one I thought they had the most leverage to kind of go beyond with because because it's not realistic. And so he could have been the horror, more horror of a more of a horror figure. And they it, it flopped. It just flopped. It flopped. Yeah. <laughs> it's what if someone who was a predator fell into this and was just like, right. yeah, it's like when they talk about like a serial killer who joins the army or something and goes somewhere and gets to kill for fun. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it's they found their niche. And it's just like, oh, that is really a horrifying thing to think about and could be explored. And it's just sort of like, yeah. meh. Yeah. <laughs> then he's hanging out in an inner tube. Yep, I'm floating around, Judas. I love that you both went, meh, at the same yeah. time. That made me so- <laughs> you made the same thing. <laughs> it's again, it's one of those things of like, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. No. It's just super disappointing. Very no, disappointing. I'm not, ma- I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yes. Yeah. Like, like, yes. That, g- folks, the queer community is smarter than this. <laughs> like, <laughs> we get it. <laughs> we know what you're doing. Well, and the thing that I find interesting too, I mean, uh, I, I put out a notice, a uh, 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 post rather. Like, what did you think of this movie? Because I want to, I want to hear what my audience thought about this too. Because when we start to do the compare and contrast that uh, we, I've signed you on for, uh, I think that'll be even more interesting. And. What I noticed, the ones who really, really liked it were straight. <laughs> I read some of the Rotten Tomatoes and I was finding that too. I was reading reviews too. And, and Which I, was I understand like, oh. because you you don't know. You're not, this is not probably on your radar very much. These camps are probably not on your radar. You don't know what they do there. So if you think, oh yeah, that's really bad. Yeah, what they did. Th- it is really bad what they did to kids at this camp, but that's not, that's not all they do. They no. really soft peddled everything. Yeah. 
Well, and, it, and again, it, it was, this is, this is scary. Like I'm a, I'm, I'm scared straight person watching scary movie about queer people being abused, but, but at the same time, they're letting, they're letting you off the hook. Right. I mean, they're, they're, they're not making you as uncomfortable as they should. They're not showing you what they should. And it, it just pisses me off. And here are some safe, easy to digest queers. Right. Look how Everyone's pleasant they pretty. all are. Look how nice they all are. Look how yeah. devoid they are of any other character quirks or personalities or anything. They're just, look how sad they are. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Oh, I get to leave with a girlfriend now. That was the one. That, uh, I, I don't know why that don't, line really ticked me off. Don't Which even. One? What are you going to tell? <laughs> the one um, girl with the shorter hair turns to the blonde and goes, what are you going to tell your parents? And she goes, we'll tell them together. And I'm just like, your parents are going to kick you out. Yeah. Your parents haven't changed. They no. are going back to the homes that sent them here. Yes. They yes. Are, they're going from the frying pan back to the fire. Yeah. And 100%. there's no, there's no eighties romantic movie closure that you can possibly have from this. No, if anything, they're just going to get sent to a different camp. Hey, yeah. I going to tell you about the time you and your grandma and I met a gay conversion camp. It was so romantic. <laughs> no. No, I mean, even this relationship is going to be like scarred by trauma. It's not going to last. It's not going to last, but that doesn't really matter. Um, just one last thing I have to complain about. I have to complain about because I hate this. Um, the introductory circle scene. I hate scenes like this. I'm a swimmer. I know I can get a scholarship, but not like this. Not like I am. I mean, in the locker room, I don't know where to look. I get so tense, I have to, like, throw up. No one knows in school. I'd die if they found out. It's like I'm pretending to be this thing, and I don't want to pretend anymore. My parents made me come. I just want to fit in. It was come here, or you're out on the street, honey. Then when I go to college, I'm going to pledge my dad's fraternity, which I kind of have to, or he's going to, like disown me i mean how seats no, i'm not that complicated honestly i just want to be like everybody else fifth row center i want to get my parents grandkids like my sister did i'm only here to shut my parents up and get some fucking peace i have zero interest in not being gay i love me some lady i hear it all the time fag there goes the fag blow me fag and laughter. I don't want to waste my soul fighting this thing. Just want to make it go away. Sometimes I wish I was invisible. I want to be entertained. I want to live my life. I want to fit in. Um, the way they're portrayed, and the way this one is portrayed, because it's always the way it's portrayed. Um, what it took me back to in Rent, in in the musical Rent, there is the scene where we go to the life. Uh, I forget what they call it. The It's not the Life Cafe. Yeah, the, the, no, it's not the Life. Uh, whatever. It's the HIV AIDS support group circle. And in the play, like before the, you know, you see everybody's vibrant. They're vibrant. They're laughing before the, mo- the meeting. Everybody's jovial. And then when it gets to the meeting, it gets somber. But this is how it's always portrayed. Like when you get to the movie rent, you go to the HIV support circle and everybody's in black and everybody's drab and everybody's so sad and everybody's so ashamed of the bad virus that they have. That's how it is here too. It's here. Oh, look at all the gays. Look at all the sad gays. Nobody's jovial. Nobody's joking. Nobody, anything. I, I, I went to enough 
HIV support groups with my friends in the 90s before there was a treatment that could keep you alive. And they were not somber events. Right. Maybe they were during the course of the event, but before there was always there was always life to them. And it's, I hate seeing it like this. I hate seeing portrayals like this. Look how ashamed we all are of ourselves, even though that's why you're there. But still, there was no resistance. They leaned into it. Part of my problem with that, too, is they make the they they are already conceding that we are weak upon arrival right that 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 we don't have a strong sense of self or dignity mm. <laughs> and so you know it's almost like what was there really to strip away right i mean you're you're already showing these horribly sad people um and so but the other thing i didn't like about that scene was i felt like there was a like a director's meeting at some point where they were like uh, we've got like 15 characters. Um, can we just do a roundabout and kind of say who they are? <laughs> yeah, but not their names. We don't. Right. Have their name. names. <laughs> I remembered like two names. No, three. Balthazar, because that name is weird. And that was it. And that character completely drops out of the movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. So was there anything else that you wanted to address in the movie? <sighs> it's. If you want to watch it, watch it, but it is very kind of disappointing. Again, I watched it uh, after the first time on two times speed, and I think that helped. Yeah, and I guess my last my last comment was my thought, my final thought on this movie was there were things about this movie I found truly disturbing, but I don't think the movie's good enough for me to give it the right to disturb me. Ouch. <laughs> it's dead on, though. Dead on. It is. It 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 it, it, it doesn't have the right. You're right. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. That just really got me for a loop. They, your truth left me shook. Pastor no Man. more lies, Patrick. No more lies. No more lies. All right, I think we've done. I forgot the name of the movie. <laughs> they saw them. That that tells you that that's all we need to say. <laughs> but here's the funny thing too is that even the title is a lie because they did not slash them. <laughs> nope. No. No. <laughs> No non-binary characters were injured in the course of this movie. None. So they slash them is a misnomer. I want to oh, point out one important book book bookend here. We started this with Patrick saying he fell asleep the first time he watched it. We ended with I forget the name of this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It it doesn't deserve the attention that it got. <laughs> no. No. I mean, granted, granted, I, I'm glad it's there. I mean, if it gets people thinking about the subject and learning more about the subject and turning people against these camps and this process, then all the more power to it. But uh, I don't think they. It's going to be bad if people think this is all that happens at those camps. Yeah, that is that is the Very dangerous bad. thing that they put out there. Yeah. OK. Deadly so bad. guess what, people at home? I'm not done with these two because we've decided to. there's so many queer movies coming out now that cover the same topics. I think it'll be fun to cover one that's more known, more well-known, and one that's lesser known. So next time, we're going to be coming back to talk about Children of Sin, which is available on Tubi and directed by Christopher Moore from the Homos on Haunted Hill podcast. Mm. So it will be interesting to see how a micro-budget stands up against this mega-budget film. Yes. Right, do you have any parting, parting words for our di divine listeners before we wrap up the session? <laughs> Wear bug spray if you're going to go camping. <laughs> yeah, um, excellent. Yeah. Lyme disease is a very serious condition, yes. Peace be with you, and nature is dangerous. Word up, Pastor Ben. All right. 
Thank you very much. I'll see you in two weeks. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay fabulous. We are out. Bye, 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 bye. Okay, that was fabulous. Once again, I want to say thank you to my guests, Tara Gardner and Pastor Ben Fitzgerald Five. But wait, you don't have to say goodbye to them just yet because they're going to be back for another episode because like I keep saying, this is the first part of a two-part special episode where we're going to be deep diving into gay conversion camp horror movies and doing a little compare and contrast. So Pastor Ben and Tara will be back next time to talk about the film Children of Sin, an indie movie that's available on Tubi covering a lot of the same material, but do they do it better or do they do it worse? I don't know. You're going to have to come back next time and find out. But before we wrap up, I have a few final things that I'd like to say about they slash them, because the more that this movie sits with me, the more I feel like we've been exploited by this film. Okay, so go with me on a little journey here, because remember way back when, when I covered Can't Stop the Music? I know it was a thousand years ago, but one of the points that I uh, landed on was that I think one of the main problems with Can't Stop the Music was that it wanted to dance on a line between gay and straight. It wanted to be, hey, welcoming in straight audiences, but then also teasing gay audiences. But like, look, we have a little secret. And so none of it really read real. Like there was no reality in there. The movie was a lie in a way that cruising was not. I remember had the whole thing about cruising versus can't stop the music. I'm not going to go into the whole thing now. If you want to hear that, go listen to the can't stop the music episode. I think we're hitting something here as well, because what this movie serves up is a lie. It's the first point I brought up in this conversation is that they completely absolved religion from, or no, not, no, 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 not religion. They completely absolved Christianity from, any part in this horror, this very real life horror going on. And I'm sorry, that's what's fueling it. Christianity fuels this in the, the United States. And by the way, if you don't know how bad this is, conversion therapy has been banned all over the world, but not in the United States. It's only banned in 20 of the 50 states here in America. And the 30 states that still have it are actively fighting to keep it. They are actively fighting to keep state-sanctioned, religious-based torture of children legal. That's horrific. And for the movie to just gloss over it and just not even touch on it, that makes me feel exploited because you're... What, what, what's the point of the movie then? Were you trying to raise awareness of the problem or are you just exploiting the gay audience? Say, oh, this will lure them in. And the fact that the movie even brings it up. Jordan has this line. Alexandra... This doesn't feel right. This whole place. It's a gay conversion camp. Nothing about it's right. I know, but I would understand it a whole lot more if there was a lot more Bible thumping and queer bashing. But there's not. That's what scares me. Yeah, we would all understand it a lot more if there was a lot more queer bashing and Bible thumping because that's what actually happens. No, that's not what actually just happens. That's what's actually happening right now to thousands of young people right this second in camps all over the country. And you're just going, meh. And this movie seems to thumb its nose at that. And that, yes, I find that offensive, but that doesn't even go far enough. I find that repugnant. We've been exploited by this film. And I mean the queer community in general, because I feel like they just 
made this film uh, to appease. Hey, uh, queer uh, queer horror is big now. Let's do something queer horror. Let's do something really big in the queer communities. Let's do about gay conversion camps. And so they didn't do any research and things like that. But at the end of the day, they don't really take a stand against it either, against the camps. They don't really even do the, the bare minimum of saying the, the, like a bumper I did at the beginning of this episode saying, if you're feeling uncomfortable about who you are and you need somebody to talk to, there's a place you can go. Call the Trevor Project. Hey, if you want more information about how you can fight camps like this and how to get gay conversion made illegal in the United States, these are places you can go. They don't do any of that. They just kind of trot us all out. And also, this is a horror movie. So if I know nothing about gay conversion camps, I think if they're making a movie about this gay conversion camp, then this must be the worst example of one. This must be the most horrific one out there. And if that's what you're leaving people with who saw this, if this is the worst that there is, that's a crime because it's not an isolated incident. It's not what you're showing us. And it's happening to thousands of kids right now. And I feel like those kids, I feel like the movie exploited them as well and not in a good way. I don't know what I was expecting because it is Bloom House. They don't, while they've been inclusive of LGBT characters over the years, for the most part, they've been stereotypical. I can't really think of any that stand out and say, yes, that's a rich, well-drawn 3D queer character. So I, I don't know why I thought they'd be better at it than this, but I think they went out of, so out of their way not to offend anybody that, that offended the audience it was supposed to not offend, which is gay people. So boo. Boo on this film. Uh, the more I talk about it, the more disappointed I am. And we didn't even talk about it, like the. I mean, aside from just being like weak in the knees when it comes to its own subject material, there are some really truly glorious, awful moments in this. Not just not just the lip sync thing. Not just not just everybody dancing around to Pink. That's horrific. But my God, this moment was so bad that when I brought it up to Pastor Ben and Tara afterwards, I said, "You know, we forgot to talk about this." I said, "You know what? That's fine. That moment deserves to be forgotten forever." And I said, "No, it does. You're right. It does, but it won't because this is one of the worst things I've ever seen." Anna Shlumsky as her killer. Her last line before she kills Kevin Bacon is this. This is my truth. Respect. Renew. Rejoice. Revenge. Oof. Oof. You're terminated, fucker. It's not. Oof. Overall, they slashed them way too safe, way too fake, and just way too... Out of touch with reality. Boo. Thumbs down. So, like I said, next time we're going to be talking about Children of Sin, directed by, written and directed by, Christopher Moore from the House on Haunted Hill podcast. You can find that on Tubi. And I would love to hear your opinions on both of these films. Now that you've seen both, we're going to have conversations. I want to hear about what, I want to hear what you have to say about them. So, please contact the show. You can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And, of course, that's Queens with a Z. Or you can leave a voicemail over on the webpage, www.screamqueens.com. And there's that little bar over the little tab on the right-hand side, the yellow tab that says, leave me a voicemail. You can do that right there. Or come find me on any of the social media. I'm on Facebook at Scream Queens. I'm on Instagram and threads at Scream Queens Podcast. And I do believe that is all I've got for you for this time. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a more fabulously creepy place. And never, ever, ever forget the Scream Queens golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay fabulous and don't sink pink in the woods. Oh, I love 
music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.